Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition and coming to you live from the Investor Summit at Sea. Today's a very special episode. We have roundtable discussions on the Summit at Sea, in particular on the Sea Days. And today's lunchtime discussion was focused on the simple question of whether to build versus buy. What are the considerations in buying versus building? Enjoy today's conversation. We're here on the Investor Summit at Sea. One of the things we do at lunch here every day at, on the Sea Days is we have roundtable discussions. So we're super fortunate to have a great group of summiteers here with us today, and we're talking about building versus buying. So looking forward to the conversation. So, Victor, one of the things about development is it's more sensitive to market cycles. Uh, how concerned are, are you about that, and what are you doing to mitigate that risk? That's a great question. One, one of the things that we pay very close attention to, it, you know, we've talked about a lot over this cruise, is supply and demand. You know, a lot of times people look at what's happening in the marketplace, they, like they'll look at vacancy rate. Say the market's 97% vacancy, and so everything's good. What they're not looking at is the pipeline. They're not looking at what's going to come out in 24 months. How many units are at the permit stage? And where where are they in the in, in the uh, in the asset mix? So it it because what you're doing is you're comparing the current market situation to a product that you're going to introduce in the market 12 to 24 months from now, and those are not the same thing. So you got to pay attention to the demand today, the demand 24 months from now, and the new supply 24 months from now. Well, oftentimes people only look at one or two variables, they're not looking at the whole picture, and that's why they get into trouble. You know, Seattle is my favorite example right now. Because, you know, it's a great market from an employment standpoint. You've got Amazon, you've got Microsoft, you have Starbucks, uh, uh, Boeing, Apple just opened a new AI center there. Uh, you've got Expedia moving from Redmond into a, bit, a building on the waterfront in the downtown. It's a great market. And, Last year they absorbed 8,000 units of new construction. That sounds like a good number. But there's 25,000 units of brand new construction sitting vacant because it's oversupplied. So if you only look at the demand side of the equation, you get snookered. Oh, and there's another 32,000 at the permit stage. So how many years is it gonna take for that to absorb? But, but that's in a, in a stable, healthy market, right? Now, if there's a correction, what, what typically happens is people go from class A and they flee into class B, right? And if you're building apartment buildings, that's, you're probably building what? At least class A or so. You're not building class B or class C. So if there's a correction, what scenario might play out in that, in that scenario? There are a lot of primary markets where you've got a lot of new capacity coming into the market. The cost of construction is almost identical. For you to build class C versus class A, it's only a few percentage points difference in your construction costs. That's why nobody builds Class C. It doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, you know, the, the quality of finishes affect the total cost only by a very, very small percentage. Whether you put laminate floor or tile, whether you put laminate counters or granite, you know, you're, it's really only a few percent difference. So th that, is a, that is a challenge. There's no question. If you're in a large macro market like Dallas or... Uh, or Houston or something like that and you're simply looking at the macro numbers 
that's where the macro cycle can come into play. If you are focused more on the micro markets and where is the demand at the micro level, then you can survive those economic cycles. Because you're looking at you're looking at it through a different lens. You're looking at it through the lens of supply and demand. You know, for example, in the last downturn, Stockton, California went down 90%. San Francisco proper went up 3% in the same time frame. Now, if you look at the market average and just look at the macro market, you wouldn't see those differences. So, you know, you could be in a big market. Las Vegas, Nevada went down very significantly for two reasons. Remember, the last cycle was not a real estate cycle. It was a credit cycle. And it was a credit cycle that precipitated a real estate cycle because as soon as credit disappeared, the only buyers were cash buyers. And so now all the demand evaporated because there was no money in the system. So naturally prices fell because of the only cash, the only buyers were cash buyers. The proof that that, hap- that that is what happened is because as soon as the money came back in the system, prices restored back to where they were previously. It was a liquidity issue. Now, we will probably have another credit crisis. Is it going to be a subprime mortgage crisis? Probably not. Is it going to be a sovereign debt crisis? Probably. Is it going to be a corporate debt crisis? I used to think so. I don't anymore. Um, If you asked me six months ago, are we in a credit bubble in, in corporate debt? I would have said yes, except there's a key difference. And I, I actually sit down and I actually watch the videos for the World Economic Forum in Davos. Um, there's a wealth of information. You talk about high caliber people here on the summit, there's high caliber people in Davos too. And you don't have to spend 50 grand to attend to watch the videos. Uh, there was a lady from Bank of America who uh, did a very, very good job. She talked about the concentration of corporate debt. She said the banks are not holding corporate debt. We don't want it. It's all in the bond market. So if there are defaults in that corporate debt, a bunch of rich guys are going to lose some money, but the banking system's not going to fall apart. So it'll affect the bond market in a significant way. But will that, will that topple over the banking system? I don't think so. I think the banking system is insulated from that to a large degree. It's not saying they're not carrying any, but a lot a lot of the smaller corporate debt is backed by SBA, which means it's government backed, it's, in, it's insured by the government. So, you know, a lot of the major banks are willing to do SBA loans. They're not huge loans, they're a couple of million at the most. Most of them are well under a million. And, uh, you know, if you talk about the big corporate debt, very little of it's being carried by the banks right now. So, yeah, there will be another credit crisis, absolutely. Um, how it's going to play out, I don't know. Um, it means that you want to be sitting on some cash reserves. Uh, you know, often investors will ask me if I invest in my projects. I, I do and I don't. I don't put money in up front, but I keep money on the sidelines to guarantee completion. That was something that I learned actually from the Trump family. You know, it's a it's kind of a, an unpopular name to throw around these days, but that's one, these folks are smart people when it comes to development and, you know, it's one of the things I learned from them is they would sign completion guarantees, they would keep money in reserve to guarantee completion and it actually, it's a stronger posture actually. 
it's a stronger posture because at the end of the day, when projects run into trouble, it's not because they didn't have the right money up front, it's because they didn't have the right money at the end. Yeah, exactly. It's what we went through, what we described in yesterday's session. You know, we ended up needing more money. None of it was our fault, but it was all our responsibility. So we had to think about how are we going to overcome these obstacles that get thrown up in front of us and you know, making sure that the project is either well capitalized at the front or has enough escape valves. You know, we're in the process of putting the finishing touches on a, on a capital raise right now and I actually managed to save a bunch of money in the budget and I actually thought about removing that money from the budget and at one point for a few hours I'd removed about a half million dollars from the budget and I went back to my partners and I said you know what I'm just gonna ar arbitrarily increase the reserves by an extra half a million just because for no particular reason just would like to be sitting on extra cash it's safer yes we got to go raise it and it yes it dilutes the return for investors slightly not very much but it's safer so that's I don't know if I fully answered your question and it's a great question so Victor what do you see as the biggest benefit of developing instead of a repositioning or a redevelopment project if you can avoid doing new development you should avoid it it's a lot of work it's got risk it's got complexity and if you can avoid doing it you should what I find is that today there's so much money chasing opportunities that any project that's worth looking at that comes on the market is a, it's a bloody auction you know um, we put an offer in on a property in Tyler Texas about an hour east of Dallas it's a 396 unit property and there were 20 offers I don't want to be the winning bidder with 19 offers behind me. That's, that's not, you know, we talk about making money in the buy. You, you're never going to, unless you're going to, unless you see something that those other 19 don't, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. So, you know, when it's so competitive. Now, if I can build for 25, 30% less than the equivalent product in the marketplace, now that starts to feel interesting to me. That's a small segment from our conversation. Hopefully it gives you some insight on the considerations between buying versus building new product. In the meantime, as you're thinking about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.